This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode from For Tech's Sake. You may have already listened to our episode on sex tech, modern dating, cyber psychology and sex education and thought, wow, I want to hear much more on that. Well, you're in luck because as a Headstuff podcast member, you get exclusive access to the complete interviews with our expert guests. The expert for this episode, or sexpert, I should say, is Dr. Caroline West, a sex educator and host of the Glow West podcast. Caroline has a master's in sexuality studies and a PhD in feminism and pornography and is the sex and relationship expert for Bumble Ireland and the UK. In this expanded discussion, you can hear about her experience with sex and virtual reality, the kind of goodie bags you get at a sex festival, and diversity in porn, which includes zombie porn. Yes, that exists. If you've already heard what she had to say in our sex tech episode, we'll let you know the parts you might want to skip to in the show notes. Otherwise, enjoy and come back next week for an all new episode. how are you i'm really enjoying the puns and puns are not a bad thing when it comes to sex like that all day my head is just full of sex puns so let them loose like it's not a bad thing i'm so glad to hear that because i feel like i'd be judged as being like immature but i'm like no i am who i am i find sex funny sex <laughs> is silly and ridiculous like all the things you just list there it's all ridiculous like the things we do to get off it is ridiculous <laughs> and silly and fun and probably while you're doing it your dog's gonna walk in or you'll bang your head off something like sex is ridiculous and like why not have a laugh about it yeah we should own it we should own yeah. the ridiculousness exactly and obviously a lot of the work that you do is about you know de-shaming all of the yes. things around sex because that's the thing we feel ashamed that we've gotten off a lot of the time yeah damn that catholic upbringing of ours <laughs> it's in our bones <laughs> yeah see no pun intended there <laughs> <laughs> i love it um but uh something that's really interesting that i know you know a lot about is this concept of digital intimacy and um, that's probably something that people haven't really heard of. And it's a lot more than just falling in love with a chatbot online. It's actually something that probably a lot of us engage in. Mm. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's it's essentially a very fancy term for doing things like sending nudes online or looking at porn online or sending sexy memes to your partner or anything that involves sex and using technology to help you get off or to connect with other people. That can include dating apps as well. Uh, there's so much. I mean, Twitter can be looked at digital intimacy if you really want to. So it, it, it's, you know, it's a catch all term for essentially exploring your sexuality on line on that kind of network as well so you're taking it from the in-person to online so you don't ever have to like meet the person as well you can just do it online and flirt and sext and all those kind of magical wonderful things but I think it's a, it's a really interesting development as we go now like you're saying you're talking about AI bots and all this kind of stuff like that wouldn't have been a conversation a few years ago let alone like dating apps that was not a thing especially as you're saying before your time dating apps weren't you know around then and it's, it's really interesting to see the speed that this kind of world has grown at it's just immense like but I suppose anything to do with tech sex is like right behind like one second later so yeah yeah but it is like I think people are very quick to kind of 
discount those connections when like that that is how we communicate a lot these days a lot of it is online a lot of it is your your whatsapp groups and whatever like you don't always get to meet face to face and the best thing tech has probably done for us is given us the ability to connect all the time and that's Mm -hmm. not even a new thing i'm sure that well actually i think we well know about sexy letters from james joyce oh yeah um (laughs) so like sexy letters they were a big thing for getting on back in the day so it's really not much different it's just absolutely people find ways to use tools and tech for sex literally since it's existed like the print and press came out in what the 15th century two seconds later someone made porn with it i mean <laughs> like humans are horny and creative <laughs> and that's how sex comes about oh, i love that this is the assy boobs all over you. <laughs> um but i do want to talk about dating apps because like as we said we don't have a clue um, we've heard stories, I'm sure, from yeah, our friends. I've been, I suppose, um, like adjacent to the apps. You know, I have swiped a thing on Tinder. Oh, you played Tinder? I played, <laughs> I played Tinder. I played played someone else's Tinder. It's definitely a lots of cheese that joke in there somewhere. Um, but I've never actually been on it myself. And I, yeah, I've heard plenty of stories. Um, and I actually know someone who like finds the, like she just has a little section of her little WhatsApp group where she just sends the most ridiculous things she's gotten. Um, and it's not it's dick pics because that. yeah. that's basic like anybody gets dick pics like they're not special like she has the most convoluted wow. of conversations or bios and stuff so it's, it's a dark world out there mm. well that's the thing like it gives us straight normies like some great <laughs> stories to yeah. share with our partners and like oh isn't it great that we don't have to deal with this never leave me um, <laughs> then, like I'm sure there's good things happening on dating apps it's just that we happen to hear a lot of the horror stories yeah and that's look it makes for a social media headline doesn't it like dick pics and it's it's like oh that's sexy and Mm. not not in real life but in the media you know it's great to have like a snappy little title and stuff like it's less romantic to talk about all the people who met together like when when I moved back to Dublin in 2008 I met people on it was like and on the website like plenty of fish it wasn't even on an app back then yeah and people were so weird about it they were like don't tell anyone we met like this like we have to say that we met in a pub and people were concocting all these cover Mm. stories and stuff like that because it was so shameful and now you have like cakes with like we met on tinder at people's weddings and so i love that that's actually do have friends who are getting married or getting married or long-term partners from like and then they they say it and they might say it as a kind of even as a laughy way but like they still own it and again back to sex is ridiculous or like own it be like yeah get your cake topper like that's a good thing but i think dating apps are also really good for cutting through all the nonsense that's around dating sometimes Mm. like sometimes like if you are really horny and all you want is to hook up with someone real quick like do you have to do the dinner talking all the rest of it or can you just send a message to someone and be like you seem cool like do you want to hook up and grinder is particularly good at that it's like someone in your local area and you're like here's my penis here's my penis <laughs> away you go and it's like i i really envy gay men sometimes because they just cut through all that nonsense and they're just like this is what we want but i think it's really nice like that they can be used for that and you know I think that's really empowering, especially for women, mm. because we've been shamed for so long if we show any inkling and any interest in the world of sex. So that if you're empowered enough to send a dating message or a message online on a dating app, I think that's really quite positive and quite revolutionary in its sense as well. Like we don't have to sit around waiting to be asked out. So if you're a woman using these apps and you're like, hey, I want to meet up tonight, but I'm not interested in anything long term. I'm interested in one night stand. And, you know, if the person you connect with is into that, too, happy days. Like yeah. sometimes that is all you need and want so anything that can facilitate that is a good thing but 
just to go back to the dick pics. (laughs) (laughs) A sentence I really enjoyed getting to say. Um, If you are a person interested in men on these apps to cast the broad net there, you are likely going to receive a dick pic. Yes. And, and very quickly in the conversation. Yeah, and I, it's just, I find it just bizarre. So there's an excellent uh, researcher called Nicola Fox Hamilton. She's researched this and her, re, her the guys in her study said, well, I send dick pics because we're da- we're trying to date. We're trying to hook up. Like, clearly they want to see my dick. And you're like, what century are you still living in that you could just go, well, here's my penis. Like, are you interested or not? Um, so they don't kind of get it. I, I don't know, like... How true that is for absolutely every guy with a dick. Like, are they yeah. all just clueless? I don't think oh, so. Oh, God, I hope not no. all men. It's, no, it can <laughs> be very malicious. Like, and it is a power statement as well, especially like if you reject someone and they're showing you your dick pic. It's kind of, you know, it is that sexual violation of like, yeah. fuck you, I'm going to yeah. invade your space and your privacy. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a real kind of like, I'm in charge. I have a penis kind of thing, which... Okay, but you know, <laughs> and, and here it is. Yeah, <laughs> and, like it is gendered. Like you know, women don't usually just send unsolicited vulva pics. Like even like even saying that, it's like that's a phrase we don't hear very often. Mm. But unsolicited dick pics is like there's memes and stuff about that now. Yeah. But like you know, some part of that is like. It would be great if we removed the shame. So if someone sent you a dick pic consensually, you could be like, cool, here's my vulva. You know, happy to, are we compatible by looking at these tiny pictures? But obviously a lot more women are a lot more shamed if they do that. Like you'd be called like a slut or, you know, whereas with guys, it's like, oh, it's accepted. Like the fact that it is like a meme now, we're just like, oh, guys have that much more freedom than we do. This is the thing that really actually frightens me a little bit. Prude. Um... I don't want to see no dicks. <laughs> and like, and I, I'm aware that this happens off of dating apps like LinkedIn and everything. Like yeah. pe- people oh, will send dick pics fucking anywhere. They're lunatics. Yeah. yeah. Like so, and what fascinated me in Nicola Fox's Hamil- Fox Hamilton's research was that it seemed to be a, a small percentage were doing it in that kind of misogynistic or um, kind of power play or like yeah. doing it to be malicious essentially. Yeah. Like there was such a significant number of them were doing it to flirt Mm -hmm. and thinking that this was the way to flirt and if you do reverse it a lot of straight men if you sent them a tit they would go wild (laughs) so like I guess that's the logic that they've applied to it but they seem to have like yeah like we'd be into that yeah yeah and like I I mean I'm a bisexual woman I don't want none of them I don't want any of your parts (laughs) sent to me that's I'm, what it should I'm be cool. like you should have no parts sent to you until you explicitly until you say send exactly. your bits you like, know it's a bit like a David Attenborough documentary isn't it it's like the birds that do the weird dance oh my god I love it I love it. it I saw a tweet the other day that was like oh imagine if humans had, da- had like the same dance rituals yeah. for animals and I was like we do all the <laughs> nonsense that we get up to and we buy our yeah. clothes and we douse ourselves in aftershave and perfume yeah. and we shave our legs and you know we go for Brazilian waxes and stuff I mean yeah. Like, you know, we do the same thing it's as just animals. not condensed into a happy little dance. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like 50 billion ways to do it as well. I mean, yeah. like, remember there's something about Mary, the advice in that was like, oh, you have to jerk off before a date. Like oh. people have rituals, just maybe no body fluids in your hair. That's yeah. Probably not as successful. Just, just, just surprised me how we got so easily. And like you said, it's nearly accepted. Like it's a running joke about dick pics and stuff like that. Whereas I'm like, if that was me and if I was on the receiving end of it, I would be immediately reporting you to the police. Like, I'm sorry. Like that's yeah. like, it's, it's called violence. cyber flashing. And yeah. I think that's really what we should call it. And when Absolutely. someone does that on the street, 
you think that yeah. they need to be reported to the police, but apparently when they do it online, it's just like, ooh, oh, yeah. no, okay. It's funny. <laughs> it needs to be, that, that is exactly what it is. It's sexual violence because it's a violation of consent. You didn't consent to have that picture. It, sexual violence. Like it, it is literally as basic as that. So um, I think we're more eager to call it in person sexual violence because we haven't, we're only recently applying the lens of sexual violence to online behavior. And this is why, like we used to say revenge porn and mm. we used to say, oh, well, it's only a nude, it's no big deal. Mm. Like, you know, they sent it without your consent. Well, you shouldn't have sent it in the first place. All that victim blame and nonsense. It's only literally in the past like couple of years that we actually name this as sexual violence and call it image based sexual abuse, yeah. which is massive. Like Ireland has actually led the way in that, like with Coco's Law um, and established in hotline.ie, which is great if yeah. anyone has their nude shirt without their consent, there is help out there. Um, but I think we've been really great and forward at like actually realizing sexual violence is way more nuanced than a person holding you down and penetrating you, which is what we might have thought of it before in the past. But I think it's really important to know how we're going in the future and how we're talking about this yeah. stuff, you know, because like you should be at home going, will I send a picture of my dick to this random stranger? Hmm. No, that would be weird. That's where we should be at. Not going, yeah, they, they love this. Like stop and think for a minute. Like, you know, penises are good, but not everyone wants to see them. I think yeah. that's a bit of a hangover with tech in general. Like it comes down to like, you know, trolling online, like all behavior online really and technology kind of creates this barrier of like, people do lots of stuff yeah. with technology and on technology that they would never do in person or in real life or in public yeah. and I feel like there's that barrier there where you're just like allowed to be mean to people online you're yeah. allowed to do whatever you want they're like create whatever you want because yeah. it's technology and it's fine it's behind a screen like you can be mean to someone online in the queue in Aldi getting your shopping and you're sending like horrific messages to someone on Facebook yeah. like, well, it's bizarre. yeah it's like that's... saying thank you very much to the shop assistant yeah. and you could be the loveliest person in the world and you're a total dick online yeah bizarre oh we all know those people mm-hmm. yeah unfortunately <laughs> um but it is like so I mean there's a lot of credit due to the amount of work that's been done in education like, like people yes. roll off the terms so easily now like image-based mm-hmm. sexual abuse is a term that we have all become familiar with very very quickly and I do think that like a lot of that comes down to people like yourself like the sex educators finally getting the platform that you need yes. <laughs> yeah to to set us all straight well, but not straight yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a spectrum set us on our right yeah yeah um but it's great because like you know i think we we joked about this before and um, the the alternative is the mean girl style of sex education which is like you have yeah. sex you will get pregnant and die um which not great no. like so there is a whole the irish education element here years. <laughs> yeah. we do sweat a lot about the ki- the children's sex education i know that there's work being done and revising the curriculum there and and making that but like, kind of addressing modern life and like online sexual education and stuff like that but i mean it's not just the kids like there's grown adults I have need such high hopes for what are they called now? It's Gen A. I think the ones that are being born now um, that Gen Alpha or something yeah. like that. But the Gen Z's who are like, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, like look at them growing up and explore their sexuality in a world where you can get sex education on Instagram or they can have podcasts or, you know, a whole range of things where they can talk to their friends. Like one of the last few times I was lecturing, like half the kids in the class were like, oh, yeah, I'm queer. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I wish I was as switched on as you when I 
was that age that which makes me sound like an absolute dinosaur but like you know the age of coming out in Ireland has gone down it used to be like in your 30s or 40s and now it's like teenagehood and so they're obviously feeling a lot more comfortable and empowered to go and do that which is fantastic but they're also learning about healthy relationships as well like the word gaslight has become like a trending thing on TikTok nowadays so they are learning about it a lot more sometimes in better ways than others and stuff but yeah that generation would be fine they're all getting consent classes at college now their sex education in school is going to be great but what about the rest of us oldies who have left school and we're still figuring stuff out like people kind of think oh consent and stuff oh that's for like 18 year olds in college and it's like no it's for you who is 50 in your you know 30 year marriage you know and but that generation never got to think about it mm-hmm. or to express themselves around it and I just I always think it's really sad it's like sex is like a womb to tomb thing you know on our, our identity and our pleasure and relationships and it's not just sexual relationships we build relationships with everyone you know um so i think it's really important to include those older generations mm. and by older i mean everyone older than 25 yeah <laughs> you know <just> ancient yeah. <laughs> proper dinosaurs yeah. like but and yeah. like at the end of the day like some of them will have kids yeah. And they kind of become the default, like you often can't rely on the schools uh, when it comes to yes. sex education. So they become the educators for their kids. And I, some research that you put me onto from Kate Dawson. Mm. There's so many great uh, like researches in this area just coming from Ireland. I'm just know, so impressed well. by this. Like, look <laughs> at us. De Valera would be shaken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and good. Yeah. Good Let him roll in his brain. Yeah. But uh, this study looked at kind of porn literacy and it did a couple of studies involving um, teen groups I believe it was and just the results uh, together suggested that young adults reported varied learning about sexuality from watching pornography however they also believe that pornography does not provide reliable information about sex so they knew yes. that because that's what a lot Brilliant. of the concern is yeah. is that this is how they're learning about sex but this isn't a real representation of sex and yeah guess what they know that yeah. like we all knew that when we were kids as well you know, when I first saw porn I probably vomited <laughs> <laughs> and I was glad to think that that's not real. Um, but then both young adults and parents of teenagers recommend that support youth in navigating pornography, porn literacy and interventions should facilitate the development of critical thinking skills and provide reliable information about sexual relationships in the real world. So, again, they're in agreement with the parents that there needs to be education in porn literacy. But what was really interesting then in the later part of the conclusion was that they disagreed on how that should be discussed and how that should be broached. And that's, I think, where the disconnect is. I think the kids are ready for this education. They're telling us they're ready. ready. And the parents are like, oh, but no. The parents are terrified. How do you start that conversation with your your kid of like, oh, what about this gangbang porn that you've watched? Like, how do you start that if you have no sex education yourself? You grew up in a sex negative world. You know, you're probably, you know, have some experience of sexual violence and maybe that's dealt with. Maybe it's not. It's like and then all of a sudden you have to be this shining role model to a teenager that's really hard to do. To like which the solution is probably oh, bury it. Don't talk about it. Let's pretend yeah. it doesn't exist, that and is, everything will just be fine. Ireland excels at that no. <laughs> quite a lot, but it doesn't work. It yeah. absolutely doesn't work. And we know that these things thrive in silence, like things like stigma, mm. sexual violence, shame, and these are lifelong things that people have to deal with. So the only way to deal with it and help kids and ourselves is to talk about it and find reputable resources that aren't like if you. Some, some of the 
sex ed stuff now it's like very far right stuff and even calling it sex ed isn't great Mm. like there's such a rise in like back to traditionalism and like you know like women should only be in the kitchen and all this stuff and you're yeah, like where is this on tiktok i think isn't it yeah, yeah the trad wives and all this kind mm. of thing coming in and you're like where how'd that kind of come up as well but i think you know there there is hope out there but i just think it, it starts with that comfort level like how can you talk about porn if you're so uncomfortable with your own sexuality and your own experiences so we owe it to ourselves and kids but also the future generations to actually have these conversations But it's not easy. Like, it's not. No one's expecting people to be like, right, let's talk about gangbangs today. Yeah. You know, that's not going to happen for 99% of people. So, And I mean, presumably, like, you don't have to have the answers no. as a parent or guardian. Because no. I, I was babysitting once. I would have been, I think, 16 when I was babysitting a 12 year old. So, you know, she was too old to be babysat. But I was many there for her maniacal younger sister. And um, and she came in and talked about what the kids on the street were talking about that day. And it was all about fingering. And I was just like. I don't even know how to have this conversation because I have never had any of this experience. Yeah, <laughs> I was just yeah. like, I'm out of my death. <laughs> I'm going to exit it. But I kind of just said that. I was just like, well, I don't know anything about any of that. And I think being like, you know, a few years older than her and being like, yeah, I've gotten this far without having to engage with that. So you don't have to either. I think that was the only message I was able to give her. Like. <laughs> Which is not. You're not for it. Yeah. You don't have to be for it. No. And look, you know, no one's expecting you to be an expert in this. Just because your parent doesn't mean you automatically get skills in in this kind of area the minute you pop out a child. Like, that's not the case. But it's okay to say, do you know what? I don't know, but I'll go and find out the answer for you. Or I'll go find some books. Or I'll find a podcast for you to listen to. Like, you don't have to be sitting there explaining the intricacies of fingering to your child. Like, that's okay. Let them figure that out. I don't think they'd want to to either yeah that I would die I would actually no <laughs> please don't ever put me in that position that'd be terrible um but yeah like just give them resources there's tons out there you know it's it's like maths like I I couldn't teach anyone maths you know but I'd be like here I'll find you a maths book or some maths support service or whatever is in the world of maths but you know and it doesn't mean I have to learn algebra thank god yeah because that wouldn't benefit anybody yeah, <laughs> yeah. and dare I say the humor would surely help Yes. Like to make it less cringy and awkward, like maybe make a joke, make mm-hmm. light of it. Absolutely. Have fun with it. But like if you look at porn, right? Porn is so serious all the time, right? There's no one smiling. <laughs> there's no one laughing. Like there's no like queefing or farting or like, you know, someone just like burping in the middle or, you know. Or your stomach those... rumbles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like someone knocks on the door or your parents walk in or like all these like embarrassing real life stuff. And it's like actually like some of the best parts of sex is like when you're giggling together and like you know maybe something happens and you both burst into laughter and you don't have sex again because you're just too silly and I'm like that's actually like a really nice intimate moment whereas sex and porn is just it's very angry a lot of the time it's very like yeah we're gonna do this and you're like okay sometimes you're in the mood for that but like we not have a bit more of the fun and the mess and the just ridiculousness in it like you know where's it like someone cracking an inappropriate joke in the middle of a gangbang like and why am I talking about gangbangs so much today (laughs) this is really weird but like you know it's my extreme example stuff I guess but like yeah like or you know talk about how someone you know like a lot of orgies have like a buffet set up as well so you're just like talk about like saying someone hey put down that sandwich and come over and have sex with me and I'm like I would watch that like rather than someone going yeah I'm gonna give it to you and you're like okay Jesus like you know 
let's have some fun let me put my sandwich in first <laughs> yeah i'm like this is a really good sandwich gotta save this <laughs> yeah i think it was it's that you know it's that age-old problem that a lot of porn is made for a very specific audience mm. and like there's a whole other there's so many other audiences out there we see the like problem with stuff. that is there's a lot of assumptions in porn because like it's like the stepmother stuff and all the incest stuff that's out there in the moment i'm like are people actually really into it or do porn producers go well they're buying it so they're into it it's because they're silent like there's no one on twitter going oh my god i love this porn can you make some more and stuff like they're all like fake accounts or bots yeah. or like anonymous accounts yeah, you know they're not calling for the snyder cut of your porn film or yeah something. <laughs> you know and they're like it's a silent audience because you know it's something that's consumed in secret a lot mm. of the time so you know do we really know what people actually want or are they watching that porn because their favorite performer is in it and that yet they're like so the producers are like oh everyone loves this new porn but really it's their favorite performer that's in it so it's not really about the incest or I mean and like maybe some of it is just you're laughing how stupid it is like the stepsister stuck in the washing machine stuff I'm like who like no one's into that surely but then but probably, probably a lot is. of people are curious about it though I mean I'm yeah. just thinking of like how tech currently evolves with the algorithms and it's like oh you've clicked this one thing here's 70 things <gasps> yes. with the same thing so I wonder if like a similar version of that is happening into this very specific cohort and also I, I imagine it's like <laughs> there's not a huge amount of diversity in you know creating porn which is the same with technology you know there is in like feminist and queer porn like I've been to some porn film festivals in Berlin and I'm just watching the screen and going how is this porn like this is what is going on here like someone sounds like my kind of porn Caroline oh my god like a jar of mayonnaise and then they mixed it with ketchup to make like Mary Rose uh, sauce and then like poured it all over themselves and I'm like would you not have just bought the the mixed stuff in the jar anyway first of all I love that that's your that's that's like job number one you're like first of all we could save some steps here I actually get that that's that oddly satisfying corner of the internet which Mm. I frequent quite a lot yeah it's just like yeah looking at two sauces mixing together for a while I would probably enjoy that a lot more than a dick pic there's something like you're creating something with it you know rather than just taking the easy option you've worked for that orgasm you know (laughs) sauce or no sauce oh there's there's room for a pun there but I don't like it (laughs) oh my god um the accessibility uh point that you're making there is actually really interesting because there is also like with sex tech it's an an enabling technology in a lot of ways as well so there are people who are maybe confined to their homes maybe can't get out and about to meet people and have informed sexual relationships with people maybe they're in a country where they can't Mm -hmm. safely engage in what they're into sexually Mm -hmm. if they're an lgbt qia Mm -hmm. person in a world that is very oppressive to them they can struggle um and I like there's lots of technology that's enabling them to connect to people. And like it, it's more than just chats and um, meeting people online and stuff like that. And maybe being, being in forums or just watching porn like VR space. It's actually one of the most encouraging uses I've seen for the VR space outside of gaming because like the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> but people are using it to have sexual encounters that feel just that bit more immersive. Yes. Um, and they're people who can't have that connection otherwise. Now, they they have all the tools to, to do this as best they can. Um, you know, like basically like an internet connected flashlight uh, with the headset. It, it's, it's, again, yeah, yeah. I fell down a rabbit hole. 
researching this you, one yeah. as well. So unlike yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. But that's what it is. Like it's yeah. it, it can be an enabling technology as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And like yeah, you you can buy like the whole kit or you can get like a 10 euro VR device from Duns or something like that, you know. Like yeah. you, you can go all out. But like the VR stuff, I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And I tried it at one of the brilliant porn film festivals and I was like, oh, this is like actually happening. I'm actually having sex with this person. And I had to keep telling my brain, no, I'm I'm just watching it. But the rest of my body was like, oh, ho, ho, this is like hot and happening right now. And I could hear my husband talking to the guy who made it. And I think they're both just laughing at me because I was just like, oh, I'll, I'll be back in a minute, guys. This is just like and I was full on in. And then when I took it off, it took me a second to readjust and be like, oh, I wasn't actually just having sex on the street. Like I was just watching. Well, something. see, like anyone who thinks that that's like. A ridiculous thing to say that that you were that immersed in it obviously hasn't tried vr because i tried very very early oculus rift technology and even then when it was 8-bit graphics i was walking around in the scene and it, i mean it looked like a minecraft scene it was so basic but my body got so confused that i was standing still and not walking that i nearly fell over and that was at a tech expo and another time i was on a roller coaster and i felt motion sickness that's actually really common for women to feel motion it sickness is. with vr yeah and systems. that's a real thing where guys are like this is great and a lot of women are like we're not buying this and yeah. it's because of that i don't yeah. know our brains must be different or it's, something it's fascinating they're still trying to figure it out but it's yeah. definitely more prevalent among women yeah. it's mm. bizarre yeah um, but yeah it is it's once it's that immersive like it, the graphics don't even have to be good like no you could still physically I feel like you're one, in the space you're in but it's wild when I it tried one your back in October and it was like um some kind of like like yeah it was like a game and I'm not a gamer at all and I was like oh this is kind of cool even though like it was some like pro-dom thing and her boobs were like the size of like two countries like they were just <laughs> massive and it was just very yeah like clunky game kind of stuff and I was like oh yeah I can see how people would get into it before I got really motion sickness mm. like a part of it but if you think of like the possibilities for inclusion like if, if you're a wheelchair user you know you can you can have sex as, as an able-bodied person or um if you're querying your gender you can have sex as a different gender or like you said like some places it's not safe to explore your sexuality mm. and that's one way to do it so like there's real possibilities for revolution when it comes to looking at sexuality like I had this talk the other day about zombie porn which is a weird area of my life that I have found myself writing about um it's oh, I'm just so really gonna find those bizarre. forums later now it's <laughs> bizarre if anyone wants to read my chapters on it like just dm me I'll, I'll send them to you for free but like as weird and gross as zombie porn is a lot of the time it's it's really interesting that it's like you know what no we're not going to conform to like you know the standard view of what sex should be we're going to do this gross so you know body fluid kind of gross porn stuff and that's really interesting because what it is is like everyone's tried to control porn for as long as it's, it's existed and it said no like we're going to adapt and overcome it's like the, is that the terminator that we will adapt and overcome i don't know um <laughs> But like, it's just that thing of like, people want to control sexuality and they want to make it nice and neat. They want to be like, this is what sex is. This is what gender is. And sex and gender are like, no, 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 no. We're going to have like 50 genders <laughs> and we're going to have like, you know, everyone's going to be into like weird parts of sex. Like they're going to be into like balloons. They're going to be into like whatever it is. And it's like that freaks some people out. They want it to be like, no, it has to be monogamous. It has to be in marriage. It has to be nice and neat and, you know, tidy and we can understand it. And it scares people that there's this big world out there full of like unruly sex and sex that can corrupt people and make them all promiscuous and all this kind of thing. And that's why I think sex tech is really interesting because it can actually make 
those worlds like the unruly worlds a bit more real and a bit more accessible to people like if you can use VR to have sex as I don't know a ninja pirate on a ship in the 14th century or whatever because that's your thing you can make that happen now and that's really interesting that the fact that some people would like literally like lock you up for having those thoughts now you can just buy something that you just program in and away you go, like happy sex times for that person. But that's why I find like so interesting that it's literally like, no, we are going to have this sexual revolution, whether you like it or not. And it might be capitalist in some ser- senses, but at the end of the day, there's still a person behind going, yeah, I actually am into this and I would like to have my fantasies fulfilled. So it's mm. kind of a good thing in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. The um, capital, like obviously there's a market hmm. for all of this stuff. And, you know, if someone's going to go to all that effort of buying all the kit, to do to have VR sex and stuff like that like you know you know for some people they just be like Ugh, too much effort I'll just have a wank <laughs> but like for some people <laughs> they want to go to all the extra levels and there's yeah. money to be made so obviously people are going to try and cash in mm-hmm. but there's this real funniness when it comes to like the business world yes. and sex tech because there's obviously the porn industry that's their industry that's what they're into but it's when you're in the world of kind of trying to be more like you know, sanitized business, mm. but also dealing with sex tech. They get really, really weird there. Like there's lots of payments providers who actually won't yeah. provide services to a service that just has sex in its title. Like I know Cindy Gallup has a lot, had a, had had a lot of trouble in the past yeah. trying to get payments providers to support uh, Make Love Not Porn, mm. which was about real couples sharing sex videos. It was trying to like plug that gap. Um, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, it. <laughs> you know, trying to like address the things that we're talking about here and people try and do that and try and create novel ways to do that. And PayPal and stuff like that are like, no, we're not supporting the sex industry. It's like, well, yeah. but they'll support guns and, you know, other illegal activities and unethical investments and all this kind of stuff. But it's sex. That, that's their sticking point. Mm. It's so bizarre. Weird. And even like a lot of the sex tech stuff when it comes to like vibrators and sex toys and stuff like that, it has to be dressed up in terms of like sexual wellness. It has to be viewed as like a medical device rather than just like, here, go F yourself silly. Go have like 50 orgasms and have a great night. Like it has to be like, no, it's for people's sexual health and their wellness. And it has to be, yes, yeah, sanitized and stuff like that. And it's like, why can't it just be like, because you just want to get down and dirty, you know? So yeah, I think those big companies are interesting because like yeah and uh, you know they cut off not only the industry but they cut off like sex workers as well there's sex mm-hmm. workers who can't have bank accounts in the US and lots of places which is obviously yeah. just nonsense but yeah Elon Musk and all his crazy friends and all the rest they're all perfectly fine yeah it's very hypocritical it, it, it is crazy because mm. like a lot of the time when they cut off sex workers from these systems and this is probably digressing a lot but uh, they take them away from what was a safe system that they were working in. Put them in and, unregulated space. Yeah, and yeah. they put push things underground. So like they say, I think was it something called Backpage was yes. shut down. Yeah, where and they say that was a could advertise. And that was a huge uh, hit to the work that was being done to stop sex trafficking because there was facilities in Backpage to report those things. And the people who worked to stop this weren't getting those reports anymore and everything just went further underground because it was taken down. It's like, this is just completely not what you want to be doing. Yeah. 
and pushed people back from, you know, using the, the Internet to meet people to being on the street to meet people, which is obviously a lot more riskier. So it's just nonsense. And then like you have like such a spectrum of where we're going to like, you know, really target sex workers and make their lives really more dangerous in the name of protecting them, which doesn't make sense up to like, you know, are we going to support a massive porn industry company or are we going to support like a tiny little feminist porn company kind of going? So there's so many aspects to it. And it's like if you're trying to do things in a great way, like like use porn for good, you know, make queer porn. That's awesome. Make feminist porn. That's awesome. You've such an uphill battle so that like all you do see is the Pornhub stuff, which is like kind of like angry and violent a lot of the time, like and not a lot of high production values sometimes on it as well. And it's like if we only think sex is that way, the Pornhub kind of sex, we miss out on all the other kinds of sex that are out there, you know, whether it involves mayonnaise or Mary Rose sauce or whatever <laughs> happens to be. And it's like, you know, like when I go to those film festivals, I'm sitting there and I'm going, I would have never have thought this was sex or porn. And it just leaves you thinking, well, then what is? And that's such a big question, you know, and it's really nice that you can take stuff away from it and be like, if these people can explore their sexuality, can I? And what does that mean to me to do that? So, you know, there's a lot, we can learn from porn, you know, and obviously not, I'm not saying this needs to be like rolled out in schools or anything like that. This is obviously for consenting adults over the, the age. But I think it's interesting that we can learn so much from porn. It doesn't all have to be porn is violence and porn is awful. It's like we can actually use sex tech and porn for good. And it doesn't have to be like sexual wellness. It can be like good, dirty. Can I swear in this podcast? Yes. Okay. Good, dirty fucking. <laughs> you know, that's what lots of people just want in their lives. They just want to have sex and, you know, unapologetic fucking. It doesn't have to be for the good of mankind or all the rest. Like just no, just like indulge yourself. Yeah. But we can use sex tech for that. And I think it goes back to a bit of what we were saying at the top is like, it is hard to to draw a line around what you define as sex tech because it can have overlaps in other areas like health tech and stuff like that and it's just such a broad scope of a thing and like trying to create a garden where you're saying like no we're not going to do any sex tech cuts off so much goodness that happens there and if you're going to say you're not going to do it because of the bad stuff well then don't do anything with anyone because there's always good and bad bad with everything that we do um whether it's technology on the internet or in any walk of life so yeah i just think it's like when you talk about the definition of sex tech, like it's it is hard to define, and that's like because it's become this massive thing that actually, when you think you've never interacted with sex tech before, you probably have in some way, shape, or form because it's it's everywhere now. Yeah, you could even <laughs> probably make a claim that like sexy memes were sex tech in one sense. Like you have people, you know, a lot of the times in in my world, like I'll sit on the couch and send like memes over to my husband who's sitting next to me. And sometimes they're adult and sometimes they're not. And it's like that's using the Internet to maintain intimacy, even though some people are, oh, if, if couples are on their phones all the time, it's a really bad thing. And it's like it's not if you're it depends how you're using it, you know, and I just think like the revolutionary potential that's there is just being missed out on so much like like for an example I met this company they're called Lioness and they make a vibrator that gives you data about your orgasms and I'm such a nerd I'm like yes tell me everything about this and it it tells you like that there's different types you know or you can have like this kind of orgasm or this one and it's like you know this little heartbeat monitors you know when it goes it goes up and down um, and it shows you like the intensity but then you can type in oh I was tired or I had wine and you can like build up this pattern 
pattern of yeah. like, oh, when I have wine, my orgasms aren't as strong. And I'm like, how cool is that for people to then take that from the sex tech and like build that into their own world of going, well, I know when I'm drunk, my, the sex isn't actually that good. So maybe I'll give it a miss if I'm hammered or, you know, I'll wait till the next day or something. But then there's also that huge potential for survivors of sexual violence as well. So if you're having an orgasms and sex on your own terms and then you can build that up and look at, you know, how your your healing goes via your orgasm chart. I think that's really powerful, you know, and I don't think that was an in, intended um, impact from the, the lioness crowd. But I was like, oh, well, that's what I see because that's the area I work in. I'm like, this actually has potential to help people heal. And I think that's really important. It's not just about getting off. There's so much healing to be had. And even, you know, there was another one, I can never remember the name of it, but they made this vibrator thing that looked like a football, like literally like a big round football. And it was for um, people with disabilities. So they can just kind of place it and it's easy to straddle it. So they don't have to worry about grip or anything like this. I was like, the potential there, like imagine if, if, you know, you want, you have a disability, but you can't hold any of the toys or they're not accessible and you can just find this one and then revolutionize your life and be like, yeah, sexual pleasure is now on the table for me. Like, how empowering is that for somebody? You know, I think so we miss out on like all the good stuff if we're too busy talking about the sex dolls and stuff like that, because that's that's what we do talk about. But those sex dolls are like one percent of the the equation. And obviously, most of us are never going to be able to afford them. That's not going to be a thing. But there's day to day potential for people to really change their lives through the world of sex. Yeah. And the only way you get innovation like that is Mm -hmm. if someone cares enough Yes. To build that. And, you know, as I think is evidenced by this entire chat, is like people do care about getting off and they will find their ways to do it. So, mm-hmm. and, and again, I just bring it back to the space tech, you know, unintended innovations that we use on the ground yeah. came from space tech. And I do think that that's something that happens with sex tech as well. Yeah. Uh, the health tech overlaps are very real. There's, mm-hmm. um, devices that can help you with your kegel exercises that would easily be confused with like something like a vibrator and definitely kind of stems from that kind of development but they're connected to apps so that they can gamify your kegel exercises so that you'll actually do them yeah and like you really need to do those exercises if if you need to improve your pelvic floor or something like that but like like any exercises you're not going to do them so like finding ways Mm -hmm. to help people that way well is only going to come through oh yeah well we have devices that people insert into their bodies and we know how to make them safely how do we Mm kind of pivot on that and make make it it some health tech yeah yeah Yeah. i think i think like the world of academia needs to like take some accountability in this so it's not just the evil tech bros that are stopping all these awesome uh sex tech coming up because the world of academia only looks at things like problems it's like oh why can't women get off what were the problems you know and it's like they don't look at the joy like what what where are all the studies on like the joys of multiple orgasms and what that does for a person's life you know so we look at like the problems if you think of like say hiv we've looked at like how devastating that is for people and stuff but it's like well is there joy to be found like what about if you're HIV activist like how has that changed your life for the positive like where are those studies what about the resilience what about people who use their HIV status and then navigate better healthier relationships for them as a result and better boundaries and consent so we only look at the bad stuff and I'm like find the good stuff so the more we look at that the better then it is for like the whole of society and then recognizes actually these are issues that we need to look at so you know like things like and I always mispronounce this vaginismus I got it right there and that wasn't looked at because it was assumed that like women were expected to have pain when they have penetrative sex I can 
never say that. It was just like, oh yeah, if you lose your virginity, you'll bleed and it'll be sore. It's like, no, that doesn't have to be the way. But people assume, yeah, penetration is going to hurt and, oh, it's your fault for not having enough foreplay. And it's like, no, it's actually like a legit medical condition behind all of this. So the result is people suffer in silence for ages when there are toys like the Kegel thing and dilators and stuff like there is stuff out there to help. But because we don't talk about it and we don't talk about it in positive terms, I think that's really problematic and we miss so much then I think we actually fail people then on that level I actually wonder as well on that research and academia side Hmm. like ironically it's sex probably not the sexiest thing to fund (laughs) I mean like like, but genuinely like there's there's like massive research done into how like you know women's health and stuff is severely lacking from like historically patriarchal society and it, you know the fund like researchers rely on funding at the end of the day and there's already a problem with pure research versus commercially driven research and things like that and there could be very commercially driven research that goes into sex tech um and sex Absolutely. in general but because of that stigma that you talked about i wonder if like that's a much more difficult research yeah. topic to actually get funding for. Oh, for sure. When I, I got funding to do my research on the experiences of women porn performers in the US and people were like, that's such a waste of government funding and stuff like that. And all the trolls came out on Twitter and they're like, who's paying for this? And I was like, there's so much we can learn. Like I looked at like violence and stigma and also like how women support other women and all the rest of it and like how their kids are taken off them just because they do porn and stuff. And I'm like, that's like, that is really valuable research. But people are like, oh, porn Ugh. like I have to pay for this Ugh. how'd you get a PhD in porn and I'm like oh, you just if you just take five seconds of critical thinking there and apply that to yourself there but people don't they just hear porn or sex and they just either freak out or they're like I want to shut that down straight away or else get weirdly obsessive with it mm. <laughs> one or the other yeah well keep fighting the good fight Caroline <laughs> you're doing great work um, as here as long as it means I get to go to like trade shows and get free vibrators as like freebies I'm like yeah th- that's a good motivation for yeah. staying in this I mean, industry the <laughs> sex cool. festival goodie bags are real goodie bags I bet yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah I'm not going to share them (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you're meant to maybe you're not (laughs) anyway (laughs) thank you so much for coming in to talk to us Uh, it's just been such a great conversation and thank god we had you to guide us here (laughs) thank you and thank you for the puns as well puns are excellent so yeah it's great to have these conversations and you know for anyone that's listening if you're just struggling or anything like it's okay you're also just human like it's okay and that's normal um but there are tons of resources out there to learn from and you know you don't have to stay stuck in that position you can move towards a lovely healthy happy sex life full of puns and all the ridiculous stuff that we do including falling off beds and all the rest (laughs) (laughs) nice one thanks so much Thanks for listening to our complete interview with Dr. Caroline West, who has a website at IamCarolineWest.com and her own podcast, Glow West, where you can find more discussions on sex, sexuality, the body through a sexual wellness perspective. For Tech's Sake is a co-production from Silicon Republic and the Headstuff Podcast Network and hosted by Elaine Burke and Jenny Darmody. Thank you to Megan Fox for production, Matt Mahan and Dali for our graphics, Claudia Grandes for her social media support and all at the Headstuff team. 
You can follow us at FortexSakePod on your platform of choice or let us know what you think via FortexSakePod at gmail.com. As a Headstuff Podcast Network member, you get access to bonus content from across the network, so do check out some of our sister shows and give them your support as well. And tune in next week for an all-new episode. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.